Welcome to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Over the next hour, we are going to celebrate women across all venues of education and hear stories from trailblazing educators of challenge and success, highlighting that leadership is not always about a title. Now here's your host, Dr. Stephanie Duguid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Duguid. It is such a pleasure to have you all here with us today, and I'm excited to say that we are in studio in Phoenix this morning. So for those listening that do not know me or those that are new to the show, I always share a few details about the backstory of Empowering Women in Educational Leadership show with you. As a lifetime educator myself and with a mother who was a very strong teacher in a Texas high school for over 40 years, I felt it was a natural transition to highlight strong women in educational leadership. So many times women assume they have to have a title to be a leader, which is not true at all. Many women inspire, guide, support, and empower each other. Those women are the transformational leaders that focus on elevating one another through mentorship, whether intentional or not. I wanted to highlight the great things and people supporting women in educational leadership. I have been in education for over 30 years at the K-12 and higher education level as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. I am now the owner of Do Good Leadership, where I'm a professional speaker, leadership and success coach and mentor, author, consultant, and radio host. My focus has shifted from working within an institution to a new focus outward where I can serve, elevate, and inspire women to be amazing leaders in education at all levels. This show is an opportunity to bridge the connection between where a woman in education is and where she wants to be after developing leadership skills and confidence to become that empowering, transformational leader. The key is to find a strong mentor to help you guide yourself along the way. My mother was my mentor until she died in a car accident when I was 27, and I've made it my life's purpose to develop, serve, support, and empower women in educational leadership through mentorship. Today is the 11th episode of Empowering Women in Educational Leadership, and I'm honored to have this opportunity to highlight the amazing things three women are doing in education today. So today our guests are from Education Forward Arizona, and we're going to start with Dr. Teresa Leba Ruiz. She has served students, faculty, staff, and the community as an educator in Arizona for 33 years. She recently retired as the president of Glendale Community College in Maricopa Community College District, and her commitment to making a difference in the lives of inner city students from diverse cultures began as a seventh grade math teacher with the Roosevelt Elementary School District. She taught math for 23 years across all levels and served as an executive leader for 10 years in higher education. She has done so much with community, industry, and municipalities. She is a proud Latina and first-generation college student whose parents were adamant that she and her siblings attend college. She is a strong advocate for student success and believes in the power of education to uplift families. So welcome, Dr. Ruiz. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning. Good morning, Dr. Good. And we are so happy to be here with you and talk about education and women in leadership. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about Education Forward Arizona and your role there. Great. So Education Forward Arizona is a nonpartisan, nonprofit focused on education. Our mission is to advocate for and act on education improvements that advance the quality of life for all Arizonans. And we do this in multiple ways. We offer direct services to students through scholarships and mentoring services, advising services, um, to direct services to professional educators through our um, 
certified uh, career advanced placement training. That is wonderful. I love that you have so many different things. So this is for students and educators alike? Yes. And how long ago did this form? Because this hasn't always been around. No. Um, so we're recent. We came together. It was three separate nonprofits that came together um, during the pandemic of all times with this realization that there were organizations that were working towards the same goal. But let's come together. Our North Star is on attainment across the state of Arizona. We use uh, the Achieve 60 AZ. We came together with Achieve 60 AZ, College Success Services, and... Um, Expect More Arizona mm -hmm. to create Education Forward Arizona. And we cover the whole state, mm -hmm. focusing on advocacy, using our voice to promote and the value of education and training beyond high school. I love that. So right now we have so many different pieces going on. So tell me what your journey looked like before you came to Education Forward. Sure. So I currently serve as a senior vice president okay. for programs and advocacy. I'm the chief advocacy programs officer. Before this role, I retired from the Glendale Community College as the president. Mm -hmm. I served in higher education for over 27 years. It's a journey that started in the classroom in the school that I graduated from in the Roosevelt School District. Oh, I love that. And it was always on how can I make a difference in the lives of our students? Mm -hmm. How can I make a difference in the lives of our community? And along the way, mentors encouraged me and said, Terry, someday you're going to be a college president, to which I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I love one of those turning points. <laughs> it really is. And it took a mentor actually to plant the seed That's and right. to remind me of the value and importance that we bring to the table when we care deeply about student success, mm -hmm. when we care deeply about making our community strong and vibrant that comes through education. Right. So along the way from when I taught junior high, high school, and I taught at the community college, the seed was planted and eventually took on additional leadership roles. Mm -hmm. And it became very clear to me that leadership is not a title, mm -hmm. that you lead from where you are. Mm -hmm. And as women, we are often, you know, take a back seat mm -hmm. and encouraging each other, find our group, find our, our village and promote each other encouraging each other to use your voice. I think it takes great courage for anybody, but particularly for our women to share their opinions in a setting where you might be the only female sitting at the table, or you might be the only female of color. It's, it takes great courage to express yourself. And that when I started to see that impact and I realized I could use my voice for good, and follow that path to, to finally becoming the president of a very large Hispanic-serving institution in the West Valley. At our high point, we were serving 28,000 students a year. Pandemic caused some damage, mm -hmm. of course, and we're recovering from that. But in the meantime, when I retired in January, it was a wonderful opportunity to come to Education Forward Arizona, use my expertise in higher ed, mm -hmm. use my voice of advocacy, and helping to support a very strong and vibrant nonprofit that is totally focused across the state of Arizona on elevating and changing the narrative on the value and importance of education and training beyond high school. 
So you said so many different things, and I love your story because you talk about turning points. You talk about basically destiny doors. I had a a different guest that talked about destiny doors. Doors are opening that you never knew were there for Mm -hmm. you, and it's taking that faithful step and going through that door. But you also talked about not being a leader of title, but that you're always a leader in everything you do. Mm -hmm. And that is so important for women in leadership. Because women tend to, as you mentioned, take the back seat. They don't feel like they deserve to be in those positions. And they tend to lack that confidence to step forward and own that. So when you have those mentors, those mentors really make you think, oh, maybe I do have what it takes to go to that next step. You know, mentorship is so essential. So did you have any challenges along your way? What were your biggest challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? (laughs) Well, definitely. And along the way, I started this journey. Um, I was single and I had no children. <laughs> yes. And then pursuing a doctoral degree, mm-hmm. all of a sudden now I'm married and I have two babies mm-hmm. under the age of three. And, but you know, you never lose sight of, I'm going to earn that degree. Mm-hmm. I'm going to earn that credential because it allows me to sit at the table that would be close to me otherwise. So, you know, the challenges of being a, a new mother and working through that and still keeping your eye on some forward momentum, it took a, it really took my family and a village around me. Um, I was fortunate to have a strong partner and husband, but, you know, mothers and mother-in-laws and cousins and everybody that could come together because you're pulled in so many directions. You're, you're trying to follow a career path, a ladder, but you're also having your eye on going to school while you're doing all of this. And no one, no one does this journey alone. I think it's really important to remember is we have many mentors to this day. I have many mentors and I serve as a mentor Mm -hmm. to others who are interested in learning some leadership skills and advancing in higher education. And I take those roles, you know, to heart. It's such an honor to serve as a mentor, just as I feel humble to have many mentors mm-hmm. myself. But the 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 you know the the trials and the challenges are real. But you can't give up. You must always keep reaching forward. And as you're reaching forward, you're also reaching back, and you're pulling people along with you. I love that visual that you just provided. You're always reaching forward, but always reaching back, pulling somebody with you. And you talk about the challenges you had as a woman, because we have so many expectations of our duties, if you will, for being a mom and being a spouse and being a leader and all these other things. And we take all of that on ourselves, but being okay with, I'm going to do this for myself and get my doctorate. I'm going to make sure that I meet this. So what was your kind of North Star? What what kept you moving forward? Was there one thing that kept you moving forward? Once I realized that, that I can use my voice mm-hmm. to amplify the needs of our students and to serve our students and serve our community, you know, that became my North Star, that no matter what, no matter how difficult it is, and now I'm going to stay up late and I'm going to write this dissertation, mm-hmm. I'm going to get it done so that I can be at the table. Because I'm not, if I'm not at the table, then it's harder to move things forward. Absolutely. And so it's it's being that person to be willing to step out. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about that comfort zone and you have the fear zone around it. So once you get out of your comfort zone, you're scared to death. But then once you get beyond that initial fear, and it's usually a good fear, it's not a bad fear. Right. It's a good fear. Then you have that growth zone. And that's where everything starts to open up when you're willing to do those few steps outside of your comfort zone. So what advice would you give to other women who are wanting to overcome challenges, whether it's 
becoming a leader or finishing a degree or finishing their own education? What what would be some advice you'd provide? I think you need to you need to give voice to that dream. Mm-hmm. I think you need to tell people this is what I want to do because people will gather around to help you. There will be naysayers and you have to put those people aside, but you have to give voice to what that dream is. Don't ever stop moving forward, no matter what, no matter how many challenges come your way. That once you give voice, there's power in our words. And once we are able to give voice to that dream, then it brings others along with you and find the support and don't ever be afraid to ask for help. Well, and I think that is so important because, you know, you do have resistance. You are going to have people that mm-hmm. that don't want to support you. Yeah. And if you have that resistance, you know, most people take that as a sign of, oh, I'm not supposed to do it. I've got the resistance. Yeah. But rather use that as fuel mm-hmm. to make you want to go ahead and meet all of your goals and your dreams. You know, use it as fuel to go that next step. It might not be the timeline that you want it to be. It might not be in the straight line that you expected it to be, but always moving forward. Well, that's the name of your industry, right? (laughs) Education Forward Arizona. Education Forward. We have everything to gain when we elevate everyone towards an education beyond high school. That's right. And so you talk about beyond high school, you know, in Arizona, has there been a lot of legislation lately with with education wanting to focus on success? You know, when I I did live here, my husband actually went to Glendale Community College for a bit. (laughs) So we did live here. And so there was so much focus on improving education. So I love that there were three entities that decided to come together. They had a common voice, although they were separate, they culminated together. And now they have this one voice. And I love this initiative of really pushing students to that next level because without education, you can't really be out and yeah, you can't move forward. You really can't. So as we talked about, you talked, you shared things about your voice, using your voice for good. So what are some things that that your organization is really focused on? You talked about a couple of them at the beginning, but are there any main initiatives going on right now that you'd like to share? Absolutely. Uh, one of the programs we're really proud of is it's called Ask Benji. It's a free program. It's uh, it's powered by artificial intelligence. It's a chat bot mm-hmm. to help our students uh, get through that com- complicated FAFSA form, which is the financial aid, the free application yes. for federal student aid or FAFSA. Um, and so we partner with um, school districts across the state of Arizona. We're able to send nudges and texts directly to the students to help them um, navigate through a complicated process. Um, the federal government is changing the FAFSA, hopefully to make it more streamlined. Um, the date for that, the target date is December 1st. That's kind of up in the air still, so we're kind of on standby, but the team is ready to go. They're already sending nudges out to students mm-hmm. statewide. Last year, we impacted over 40,000 high school seniors across the state of Arizona. That is huge. huge. FAFSA, uh, and for those of you that have never done this before, it is a it is required <laughs> application if you're looking for financial aid of any mm-hmm. sort, but that's usually a deterrent for a lot of students. And so in my world at the community college prior to this, we had so many students that would just throw their hands up and say, I can't go because I can't figure this form out. Right. So I love that you all are trying to find a solution mm-hmm. and helping so many students because it is very confusing. You know, we talk about the language of education 
And so this is one of those pieces that's a language of education that you have to get over this hurdle in order to have education, right? And so I love that you are using artificial intelligence. You know, a lot of people are scared of it, but it has such a great opportunity. Um, and I love that COVID is what really brought this organization to fruition. Yes. You know, we talk about all the negative pieces about COVID, but the positive is that it really made us think outside the box. It made us focus on how to improve and move folks forward. Mm -hmm. And it really focused on how to develop technology to support one another. And so, you know, there were some bad things, but these are some great things that came about. All right. I love that. So we have about a minute before break. Is there any other program that you would like to share before we go off to yes. break? We have a wonderful partnership with Freeport McMoran. Freeport is an incredible neighbor for us. They support over 300 Native American scholarships um, to our students, to our Indigenous students across the state of Arizona. And with that comes not only resources to support their education, but they also get a success advisor. And that individual is here to guide the student along, the, along their journey so that they're not alone. That's incredible. We also have a new workforce development program with Freeport McMoran that we're very proud of. Well, any time that you can have somebody that you work with that guides you along the way, that is kind of your resource, it's, it's like their own mentor, mm -hmm. but the advisors are the one that are able to guide them through their educational journey. You know, what questions do you have and where can I guide you? So advisors are amazing. I love that you have so many partners that are supporting one another through this initiative. So as we go to break, please know that we are going to come back with two other guests with us. We are going to have Diana Figueroa, and we're also going to have Myrna Cardina. Sorry, I didn't have that name right with me, but we're going to have both of those as soon as we come back. We'll be back in two minutes. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Meet Dr. Stephanie Duguid, the renowned motivational speaker, leadership and success coach, author, and radio show host with an impressive 30 years of experience in education, spanning K-12 and higher education as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. With her dynamic presence and inspiring messages, Dr. Stephanie captivates audiences from classrooms to conference halls. Learn how to focus on developing positive leadership skills and confidence to become the transformative and inspirational leader you always wanted to be from any position you hold. Reach out to Dr. Stephanie today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is Career Combat? It's a show that airs at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on Fridays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel that acts as your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Hear from the best and brightest in the biz as your host, Kelly Combat, gives you the answers you need. Career Combat, Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Have a question for Dr. Stephanie or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Hi, and welcome back. We are here with three amazing women from, where are we? Education Forward Arizona. And right now we are going to be speaking with Myrna Cardenas. She is the Senior Director of Success Services and Partnerships at Education Forward Arizona. She's been serving Arizona students through mentorship programs for the last 15 years. She's inspired by the students that come through the Success Services program. And as a first-generation college graduate, she understands firsthand the challenges faced by students as they learn to navigate the educational system. Before becoming a director, Myrna was a success advisor and worked closely with over 200 students throughout the state. She was has been able to see firsthand the impact of the program and how valuable the support and guidance from a mentor really is to our students. So welcome, Myrna. We are so glad to have you here today. Thank you, Dr. Good. It's great to be here. So share with me what your role is with Education Forward Arizona. Yeah, so I am the Senior Director of Success Services which is our mentoring and scholarship program. I oversee the program where we offer direct services to um, college students throughout the state of Arizona. So really fun job for me to, to be working with our college students. And I've been with the organization for 13 years. Um, and, you know, our program supports our students holistically through, um, through an advisor that meets with them one-on-one. -on -one. So we're able to uh, meet with our students and may ensure that they're not only prepared to graduate college, which is very important for us, but also that they're prepared for life after college. So a lot of what we do is professional development. You know, we do um, interview, like mock interviews. We work on resumes. We host events. Um, and we also host workshops that um, talk about, you know, mental health or physical health, finances, budgeting, basically anything holistically for our students who want to make sure that they're doing well and that they can focus on school, but that they have the resources that are necessary. So that is amazing, the term holistic. And so a lot of people that might not be in a healthcare type field don't understand holistic, but you just explained it because it is everything around education. Right. So as you think about your challenges, whether it's learning how to interview for a job, you mentioned that. If you're having challenges mentally, you have some sort of services. Right. If they need to make sure that they can be successful after their education is through, you mentioned those services. So holistic means covering every aspect that the student needs. Now, have there been times when students come to you asking for something and you don't have that service? Is it going, oh, maybe we need this? Yeah. So is that how you've come up with all these opportunities for students? Right. Yeah. Our program definitely has evolved over the last you know, 18 years. And mm -hmm. I've been fortunate enough to be around for 13 of those. So every year we're trying to improve and do better and serve our students you know, in a, in a better way. And we're constantly doing surveys and checking in and, you know, how's our program? What do you need? What do you want to see in the future? Um, and that's how this has come, come about and how our program we have a model now, you know, college and career success milestones is what we call them. And it's basically a plan for what we want our students to do um, and follow while they're in college to ensure they are successful, you know, afterwards. So, and even if we don't have the service, we are resource connectors is what we call it. So our advisors, 
if we aren't able to provide that service or the advice, we know where to go, whether it's on campus for the student to to get that resource or in the community somewhere, you know, whether it's the um, counseling office or, um, you know, the career services office, whatever they need, you know, we're going to figure out how to provide that for them. Have you seen a shift in students? You said you've been there for 13 years. Have you seen a shift in the students from 13 years ago to today with so many different expectations of students? It's not just you can go to school. It's now you have to have a job and now you have to have, help support family and right. now you have families of your own. Yeah. So has there been a big shift in yeah. your eyes? Our students are a lot more you know, diverse. We serve such a wide um, range of students now. And I think what's changed more is that we do have now more recently returning students, like adult students who are, you know, have children, who have a job, who have maybe other challenges or priorities, you know, besides academics. Whereas years ago, it was that new freshman, 18 years old coming in. Um, and so, you know, we've had to evolve as a program to address those challenges and to be able to talk to those students about, again, holistically, right, mm-hmm. everything else that's going on, because it's not just the academic challenges. And what we've learned is that a lot of times when our students struggle, it's not grades necessarily, it's not academics, you know, they might not even stop out because of that. It's because of life, you know, a job, they lost a job, their health, um, support, um, you know, uh, family life, whatever that may be, transportation. It's always a different challenge typically that causes a student to stop or to drop out or to, you know, maybe not do well. So we, we try to address those uh, situations and challenges. You know, we recently created, well, not recently, but we have tried to grow our emergency fund, which lets us fund um, students with like a small, you know, smaller dollar amount. But if something does come up, that's kind of hindering, you know, the semester or their success, we can pay for a bus pass or, you know, if they, they need help with something and we can do that so that they can get back on track and focus on, on their academics again. Well, it's so funny. People think about the traditional student whenever they think about college, right? right. As you mentioned, that 18 year old that just came out of high school, 17, 18 year old, but the majority of our students these days are those non-traditional. So it's almost that we need to go back and really, uh, you know, reevaluate or redefine that statement because traditional is not normal anymore. Right. <laughs> it is the non-traditional that's the normal these days. So you talk about mentorship. And so how does providing a mentorship make a difference to the scholars? You talk about the services, but how does the mentorship really provide that difference? I mean, it's really important. You know, providing scholarships and that financial help is is crucial. You know, it's very important. It lets students focus a little bit more on academics and not that the finances, which can um, sometimes stop a student from going to college. But the mentor and that advisor that they have, we provide one-on-one advising. So the advisor goes to the school to meet with the student one-on-one at least twice a semester. And that's just such a huge support, especially, you know, college can be overwhelming for anybody, I think, anybody going to college, but especially for first-generation college students, which about 70% of our students are. um, It's just so overwhelming to try to figure out and navigate the system and, you know, how to go to school and how to, you know, your calendar and fit in studying, which maybe they didn't always have to do before and having a job or just other questions. You know, a lot of times I think students, um, especially those first generation students, they kind of look for, I guess, excuses for why they don't belong or maybe, you know, something's happening. Like I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, imposter syndrome. Exactly. Um, And so our advisors are there to check in on them and be a resource and guide them and let them know this is normal. You know, this is what you go through. It's okay to fail a class. You know, you just have to get back on and retake it or, 
you know, focus, but we're able to really provide direction on how to fit the your classes in and how to balance work and life and how to get involved on campus. You know, we always tell our students they need to be on campus. They need to connect to each other. They need to connect to a professor or they need to join a club, something that connects them to the school mm -hmm. so that they can continue to be successful. They need to, you know, create their own network and their own support system. So I, I believe that mentoring is so important for anyone. But I do think that with our advisors and our students having a mentor, they have a higher success rate. So our students are graduating at a rate of 74%, which is almost that twice of the state. So we do believe that, you know, the reason for that is having that advisor that they can literally call and say, hey, I have a question or I'm confused, I'm lost, I don't know what to do. What do you, you know, what, what advice do you give me? And it happens, it happens a lot. That is an incredible graduation rate, that 74%. So for anybody listening, that is amazing to have a 74% graduation rate. And so having one stop, I mean, that that's the piece, isn't it? Yeah. It's having a one-stop shop where students can go to one person and ask all these questions because so many times they get passed around from person to person to person. Right. And between passes, they leave the campus. Right. Because they said, oh, they don't want us here. They don't care about us. But having one person, that is amazing. So I hope others are looking at your model that I you have. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel that mentorship influences or fosters women's leadership? Do you feel that that's essential as well? I, I do. I really do believe in mentoring. Just I think for anyone, it's so important, whether you're little, you know, or whether you're grown and in your career. I, I think people always have something to learn. We don't know it all and we can continue to learn our whole lives. Um, so just, you know, being in a leadership role, it can be intimidating. And just as we said, you know, imposter syndrome is huge, I think, especially for women of color, you know, going into a room and being sometimes the only female there or the only female of color, it's, it's mm -hmm. it can be intimidated. And you do wonder, um, you know, am I, should I be here? Mm -hmm. Do I have something to bring to the table? You know, do I have something important to say? So I do think it's important to have a mentor to check in with mm -hmm. that can guide you and sometimes just reassure you, you know, right. you, you are smart, you do belong here, you do have something to say. And I've had a mentor, I've had a mentor that, you know, not long ago told me, you need to speak up and you belong here and we want to hear what you have to say. And that was huge for me. You know, I feel like it really did change my attitude at work and showing up to meetings. So I do think it's very important um, for mentors. And I also think having a, a mentor and mentor mentee relationship, sometimes you learn from each other, you know, so sometimes the mentor ends up learning just as much from somebody that's younger, mm -hmm. that maybe has less experience, you know, as we would call it. Um, I actually worked for Big Brothers Big Sisters for 12 years. So mentoring was um, just a big part of my life. And just, I constantly just heard from mentors saying, you know, this is changing my life. This mm -hmm. is huge for me. I've learned so much about myself, about people, about their little. And so I, I just really do um, believe in mentoring. I, I've had mentors my whole life and a lot of times they were teachers, you know, teachers are so much more than educators. They, they really do change lives. They connect to you. They see you as a person. And I was, I've been very fortunate to have teachers that always believed in me and saw something in me and took extra time, you know, from the time I was very little. I was born here um, in the U.S. and we actually moved to Mexico for a few years. And so we came back so I could start school, but I didn't know English, you know, when we came back. And I remember first grade, it was my first grade teacher, Mrs. Kliegel, who she just, I don't know, saw something in me, took extra time, would stay in during recess, you know, and just spent extra time with me to help me learn how to speak English and read and write. Um, I just remember 
feeling so lost and so scared a lot of times showing up, you know, because I just didn't understand what was happening around me. So it's like, I can think and speak in Spanish, you know, but I don't know what that is in English. And it's mm -hmm. just such a scary feeling. And she was, I would say, one of my first mentors. And throughout my life, I've had them. And, you know, I moved here to Arizona 20 years ago. And my first boss, Pam Kolb, um, she made a huge impact in my life. And she still does. And to this day, we meet up for lunch and we chat and we talk about what is happening in our lives. And, you know, she has advice for me still. And I became a mom recently. And so now our conversations have evolved a little bit to, you know, motherhood and parenting. And, you know, sometimes she just tells me that, you know, she's proud of me mm -hmm. and that she has seen me grow from who I was 20 years ago. And that's, that's just a really nice feeling. So I believe mentoring is, is important all for everyone, everyone. So when we say the word mentor, you know, a lot of people think about a formal process right. that you have to have one person, but a mentor, as you mentioned, could be a teacher. It could be your parent. It doesn't have to have the title of mentor. It's just somebody that you rely on, somebody that shares information with you. And so we hear about teachers all the time and teachers, you know, if, if you think about the time that a teacher spends with a child, it is usually more during the day than they're with their family yeah. simply because of the nature of the way education is right now. And so whenever we do have those teachers and teachers don't go out and go, oh, I'm going to be a mentor to the student. It just happens with that relationship building. It's getting to know somebody, asking questions, see where there are gaps and figuring out which direction to go. So that is huge. And then you talk about making sure you have a mentor. I've had a couple other guests on the show and one of them said that she has a fictitious board of directors that, you know, different parts of her life, she has a mentor in different parts of her life, whether it's financial or educational or, you know, business-wise. And then one of the presidents I talked with recently said that she has her own tribe and making sure that it's somebody that's not at the institution where she is so that she can get a different viewpoint. And I love those two pieces of information because it really makes you think, you know, who are your mentors? They're not always the people that you're with every single day. It's usually somebody from the past or somebody that was your idol that now, you know, now your friends or colleagues. And so you've said some really great things about mentors and, and having those relationships and how they evolve. You know, as students have evolved, we evolve as well. And so our mentors evolve with us. So what kind of words of encouragement would you like to share for aspiring women leaders who are tuning into us today? Well, I would um, say kind of just what you just said, you know, mm -hmm. reach out and create connections and have that village, whether it's just two other people, three other people, some, a small circle. I think it's really important to have people in your corner who believe in you and want the best for you, but can also be honest with you mm -hmm. about what is happening or advice that they that they may have. And I think it's really important to be to be real and genuine um, as as a person, you know, and be open and and share your story. Don't be afraid to share your story because a lot of times you don't know who that's going to affect or who you're going to connect with, which is something I also re learned recently. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was always very afraid of um, not sounding smart, right? Or not knowing at all. Mm -hmm. And I finally started saying, you know, I'm just going to be real and just say what's on my mind and what I'm thinking and what my experiences are. And even in the last year, my relationships with people have changed so much because I'm just just so open now, you know, I don't know that I, I have a question, you know, what can you help me with? Or, Hey, could I offer you some advice? You know, just, just being genuine. And so, um, I think that's really important, but definitely having just a few people that you can connect with and learn from. Cause again, we don't know everything and we should always be learning, whether it's from somebody older, somebody younger, 
more experienced, less experienced. There's always something important that we can share with each other. Well, and I think that you said three words that really resonate, honesty, real, and genuine. There's so much, especially with social media, that people are only putting the good things out there. And so they forget to be real and they sometimes don't know what's real. And so if you have a mentor, it's not just sharing the good things. It's being able to break down that wall and to be vulnerable and talk about the challenges, but also be willing to get information that might not be so great. You know, you have to take it both ways. And so it is preparing yourself for growth. And in order to grow, sometimes you have to have challenges or failures, but honesty, real and genuine. I love those three words that you had. And then also to share your story. So we have about um, a couple minutes before break, but sharing your story, so many people assume what people will think of them. So they have these premeditated ideas of what somebody's going to think about you. People are thinking about their own things. They don't really care (laughs) what's going on right this second. And so it's taking what you have and taking ownership of it, as you mentioned, and saying, hey, I'm just going to put it out there. And a lot of it has to do with communication, the way that you share whatever you're sharing or the way that you speak to someone else. And so if nothing else, you know, work on your communication skills because that will help you be confident and comfortable in what you say and how you say it. But it will also help you share your story. And as you mentioned, when you share your story, it might make somebody else go, you know what? I'm experiencing that too. And she did this. Wow, I can do this too. Exactly. Have you had those experiences? Definitely. So as we go before break, I just want to thank Myrna for being here with us and sharing the information about the mentorship. That 70% graduation rate, we need to put some like banners and flags (laughs) and everything out there because that is just incredible for your mentorship and advising program. Um, I haven't heard of any graduation rates that high. And so I just commend you all for the work that you're doing and, and how you're supporting the students in Arizona. So we're going to go ahead to break. We're going to take a two-minute break. But whenever we get back, we're going to have Diana Figueroa close us out today from Education Forward Arizona. We'll be back in a few minutes. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Meet Dr. Stephanie Duguid, the renowned motivational speaker, leadership and success coach, author, and radio show host with an impressive 30 years of experience in education, spanning K-12 and higher education as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. With her dynamic presence and inspiring messages, Dr. Stephanie captivates audiences from classrooms to conference halls. Learn how to focus on developing positive leadership skills and confidence to become the transformative and inspirational leader you always wanted to be from any position you hold. Reach out to Dr. Stephanie today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. 
but it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Have a question for Dr. Stephanie or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Welcome back. We are with our third guest from Education Forward Arizona, Diana Figueroa. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Diana is a change agent advancing transformational impact. Her career has focused on promoting and championing, that's a hard word to say, access and opportunity for underrepresented communities in Arizona across the P20 education continuum. At Education Forward Arizona, she leads the organization's overall marketing, communication, and strategic initiatives, all in pursuit of meeting Arizona education's progress meter goals. A statewide champion, advocate, and spokesperson, she promotes Arizona's education and attainment goals with particular attention to education equity and diversity as an asset to increase educational outcomes. So welcome. I am so excited to have you here. That was a mouthful. That was a mouthful. So a couple things. Tell us what specifically more so than what's here, what you do at Education Forward Arizona. Absolutely. I have the honor and the privilege of taking my several years of experience and my skills and using it for something good, for using it for education. So in the marketing and communication field that I have been in for many years, I can use that anywhere, but I choose to use it at Education Forward Arizona because I believe it's part of, um, it's not just a job, it's a calling and a part of my purpose to be able to help elevate my community. And one way to do that is through education. And so there I get to lead strategy and voice and use our collective voice on behalf of students and families in Arizona to help elevate the entire community through education. I believe education is a game changer and it did that for me and I believe it's it's helping others. And so we do a lot of things. Um, some of my colleagues have already touched on from advocacy and advocating for important things in education, including funding. And then also innovative scholarships and programs and mentorship that we offer. And it's all going towards that achievement and attainment goal of 60% attainment we'd like to see by the year 2030. And we call that our Arizona uh, Achieve 60 AZ goal. So you have just brought together a whole bunch of things that you're doing, but I agree, and and you're in the room full of the right supporters, is that everybody here believes that education is a game changer for so many people out there. And there's so many different opportunities in education once you leave high school. So what does the Education Forward Arizona's mission mean to you personally? Well, I was a little girl growing up here in South Phoenix, Arizona, um, in a zip code where many believe that those children probably can't go to college. Mm -hmm. And as some of my colleagues have touched on, we know that um, that's not true. I believe that brilliance exists everywhere Mm -hmm. and the opportunities might not, 
But that's why we are here to help stand in the gap, to help students and families prepare. I actually dropped out of high school at a very young age and um, 14, 15 years old. I was a little rebellious teen, mm -hmm. my, my poor mother. And um, through her prayers and my grandmother's prayers, my, my, my parents' prayers, I really believe that my life turned around and it was by the grace of God that I got my GED on my 16th birthday and went straight to college. I graduated summa cum laude from South Mount Community College, mm -hmm. and then I transferred to Arizona State University, where I received a degree in broadcast journalism from Walter Cronkite School of Broadcast Journalism. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. What a wonderful story, sharing your story. Yeah. I'm sure there are others out there that may have heard that, some, some sort of journey like that as well that has taken them to the next level. Well, you talk about elevating the community, lead, strategy, and voice. And so being the voice for so many and making sure that you are filling those gaps. So how do you all find those gaps? How has that come about? Has it just been, you see what's happening? Do students come to you? There are so many. Um, I'll touch on a couple. But um there's been a deterioration of the belief in the value of education. A lot of people speaking against that in a negative way, but we know that education is a game changer and it is the number one lever that we can use to help break the cycle of poverty and to elevate not only the individual's income who attends college, but also the community, the family and generations. We published a, a Billions to Gain report recently this past spring, and in that report, it talks about if 20% more students were just to enroll in college, not even graduate, just to enroll, that that would bring $5 billion in revenue to our state. And the way it does that is not only through the individual's income, but also through um, civic engagement, through lower um, socio, like safety nets for lower socioeconomic families, mm -hmm. less money to prisons. Um, I, I've heard my president and CEO say that, you know, a very small percent, less than 1% of people in prison have bachelor's degrees. Mm -hmm. And so when you have an educated populace, then the quality of life raises up and um, it improves. And if we want to have a beautiful, better Arizona for your children and grandchildren and mine and everyone else's, mm -hmm. then we should invest in education. Because when you invest in education, you're investing in families, you're investing in people, and you're investing in this infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And without that foundation, we don't have a better Arizona. That was so well stated. <laughs> yeah, we should give her a round of applause for that one. But whenever you are, whenever you are talking about the opportunities, I love that research that you all have. But whenever you are talking about opportunities, it's taking that first step. We're not saying you have to graduate. We're not saying that you have to be top of your class. It's taking that initiative. And so you mentioned the prisons and not having a lot of education. There are so many initiatives now across the nation. I know in Mississippi and in Arkansas, and I'm sure here, that they are trying to, you know, bring education forward and bring it into the prisons, whether it is, you know, having teachers go there or having them do some sort of online where they're able to do so, but giving them an opportunity to make their lives better so that it can then contribute to society is huge. So as you've gone through this, have you had mentors that have really helped you along your way? You talked about your story. You talked about these amazing things that your organization is doing. So where has a mentor maybe filled your gaps? You know, I, as you were asking me that, of course, I've had several mentors and I'm very grateful for that. 
but I just thought my very first mentor was my Nana Lara. She mm-hmm. was my grandmother. And she was a Hispanic woman with six children. And she served as an executive vice president. She served as the executive assistant to a vice president at the Arizona Republic newspapers mm-hmm. since like the 50s. And she retired after 30 years. But I know that if she had had the opportunities, she would have been able to go to college and, you know, she would have done amazing things. She had a cousin who was a mayor in Los Angeles and a county district attorney. And I know she was very smart, but she didn't have the opportunity. But she wanted her granddaughter. And I was her very first. I, I say I'm her favorite. Um, <laughs> the first choice is, right? <laughs> she, she wanted her granddaughter to know that education was important and education was a game changer. And almost every one of her children have degrees and one of them has a PhD. And I was her first grandchild and she instilled in me the importance and the value of education. And she always said, no one can take that away from you. So she was my first mentor. And I've had many others. I have one right now that I cherish and I call her when I need to figure out how to navigate a situation in the professional setting or how to, you know, ask for a raise or how to um, beat imposter syndrome, as Mm -hmm. was mentioned earlier, because we all deal with that. And when I became a vice president here, I was like, oh my God, how do vice presidents walk? How do they Mm -hmm. talk? How do they dress? How do they look? What are they supposed to do? And then I was like, I'm just oh, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly what you're supposed to do. So that's one of my my guests that I had has said, no matter what leadership position you're in or or any position that you're in, is to wear your own shoes. And so every Amen. position you have, don't try to replicate what somebody else has done. Make sure that you wear your own shoes. And I love that, Dr. West, if you're listening, then that was your statement that you had. And she was actually my very first guest that I had. But one thing that you said that is huge is that you had a parent figure, a grandmother, that said education is important. And so that is a huge piece to students succeeding is if they have support. Now, whether it's a parental figure or somebody else, but having that support, because I had a grandmother as well. She had five kids and there were 14 grandkids. And her mission was that every single one of them went to college and got a degree. And so all five of her kids had bachelors. Some of them were nurses. Uh, my mom had a couple masters, but every single one of the 14 grandkids had at least a bachelor's that degree. That is amazing. So it is, but that was her thing. She goes, I don't care what you do. You're going to school. So you can you do know, whatever today, else, but you're going to school. Today is National First Gen College Student Day that we're taping this. And I'm a first generation from my immediate family because my parents only went to high school mm-hmm. and not beyond that. But it was important that I had those role models and those aunts and uncles and tias and tios. And um, I watched them do it. And what it did was it made me believe if they can do it, mm-hmm. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And so I do think it's so important to to start that um, in families so that there's a second generation and a third generation mm-hmm. and a fourth generation in college, you know, because it's really hard. And, and you heard my colleagues talk about how hard it is to be a first gen student. And that's why our organization exists, partly to support those students who need to know how to navigate that that journey. And it's not easy, especially for parents or people who English isn't the first language or they are lower socioeconomic. You know, they're worrying about how to, you know, feed their families and mm-hmm. they can't figure out the FAFSA and the application for college. I had a mentor named Dr. Anna Solly, who's a retired mm-hmm. community college president. She literally drove me in her Jeep Cherokee from South Mountain Community College to Arizona State University. And I'm old enough that back then they had a paper application and she helped me fill out the FAFSA and the college application. And it hadn't been for Anna Solly, who was also my professor and my work study position job um, supervisor. 
what would I have done? My mom didn't know how to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you bring about so many great points. You know, you talk about the initiative that you all have to support the FAFSA application right now. That is a huge mm-hmm. hurdle for individuals. Ask Benji. That's yes. right. Ask Benji. And then you talk about asking for help in general. Mm-hmm. And so, so many individuals are scared to ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing you're going to get is a no. If they don't want to help you, you're going to get a no. Mm-hmm. Go to the next person and go to the next person. But if you don't ask for help, how are you going to learn and grow? And so that would be the first step. If you don't have that mentor, you don't have that family member, or you're in the zip code, mm-hmm. or, you know, you dropped out of school, ask for help or find somebody mm-hmm. that is your, that you want to be your mentor or your guide as mm-hmm. you go along the way. I think representation matters and mm-hmm. it's important for students to see people who look like them mm-hmm. in all levels, right? From teacher to superintendent, to board member, to um, counselor, mm-hmm. to financial aid person. And so it's really important so that that way they can build that connection and not mm-hmm. be so afraid to go you know, and sometimes when you're in a room by yourself and there's no one else that looks like you, it's a little intimidating mm-hmm. to be that like, how do I ask, you know, this person who looks nothing like me and wasn't raised like me to help me? Mm-hmm. And so I just think representation matters a lot. And it doesn't mean you can't have mentors of all races and diversity and ages and, and you know, years of experience and, and genders. But it is important to find people and to elevate people. Um, from those communities so they can serve as mentors to the others and help bring them up. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, it's not always that the men- mentee is looking for a mentor and has to search out. We need individuals who are going to reach down yes. and pull people along with yes. them. So if you're listening and you're one of those folks, you know, reach out to somebody, you know, smile at them, give them a compliment, let them know that they're doing great things or that you think that they can be successful at whatever it is they're doing. All those things make a huge difference. And I know that you mentioned going to South Mountain Community College. How important, and we're going to run out of time here in a minute, but how important was going to a community college before going to Arizona State? It was so important. (laughs) And you know what's crazy is one of my advisors and mentors when I got to ASU was Richard Daniel, and he's now the president at South Mountain College. (laughs) And he was my colleague at Education Forward Arizona. So it's full circle. And I love the community college system. I advocate for it. I believe in it. It was way more affordable. And I know I worked at Arizona State University for 12 years, and I believe in them as well. But I enjoyed my time at the community college. They mentored me. They took me under their wings. I was a little 16-year-old kid. I didn't know anything. The first class I took was typing. That's right. It's just getting in there, but their focus is students. So at the community college level, their focus is students. So as we wrap up today, are there any words of encouragement that you would like to share with anyone listening? You know, we're only on this earth for a short time. And what you can do to help other people, especially those less fortunate than yourself, is so priceless and so rewarding. Mm -hmm. And so even if it's not in your job's wheelhouse to do it, if you take the time to mentor someone, give someone a pat on the back and some advice and just help people. I think you'll have a more fulfilling life. And if you want to donate to Education Forward Arizona and help us do that work, we know that Arizona has everything to gain when students and families um, receive education and training after high school. And so that's what we're all about. So what is a web address that people can search for It's educationforwardarizona.org. And we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and every platform you can think of. Follow us and um, learn more. I love that. Well, thank you all so much for being here. I loved having this tribe of amazing women in education here with me today. 
And so I would love for those listening, make sure that you seek out the Education Forward Arizona website and get some great information about education as you go on your own journey. But for those who would like to join me on my Facebook community for women in education, please be sure to reach out or go to the voiceamerica.com website and visit my page. With a life experience in education, I'd love to be a speaker at your next event or work directly with you through my Empowering Women in Educational Leadership Mentorship Program. So we are out of time for this week. Next week, we'll be talking to the twins from Texas who developed Lead Love Legacy, Allie and Andrea. And the following week, we are talking to Heather McKenzie, who is a National Board Certified Teacher in K-12. Be sure to tune in next week at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time on the Voice American Network Empowerment Channel. And I'd love to leave you with one of my favorite quotes by Eleanor Roosevelt. A good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tune in next week to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. We hope you'll join us next week for another inspiring episode 